0: Hey guys, welcome to the Fox & Burger podcast where we bring you closer to the Asian side of the furry fandom one episode at a time. I'm your co-host Fox. And I'm Burger. And in this episode, we're going to quote unquote stay in Taiwan because this week we've got Pukon, a Thai fur now living and studying in Taiwan. So Pukon has been a furry since 2010, a venerable 11 years. He started working for Thai Tail staff in 2018 and now he's studying and working on his masters in Taiwan. In this episode, we're going to be talking about his experience as a Taitail staff member to better understand Taitails from a different angle, as well as how furry is viewed in Thailand. So without further ado, let's give him a big awu.
1: Thank you for having me guys um Pukan. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, thanks so much for being on the show Pukan. I, I know that ever since that we both landed in Taiwan, I don't think we've met each other yet in person. Uh same thing for for like Burger. I think like all three of us, well, all three of us have not met in person just yet, though I have met Burger. Um I do I do solo you bowl ramen so don't let me forget about that. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I'll take note <care> of
2: that. <laughs> well, we all did sort of meet each other, maybe not directly. As a group, but we all did meet each other at Furmit. Furmit, Fur-mit yeah.
0: I remember I saw the back of Pukon as he walked away from me, um, and then that was it.
2: <laughs> I was, <laughs> well, I was lucky enough to sit next to him during opening ceremonies. Awesome!
0: Wow, with the legend in person. All right, so um, <laughs> let's go to let's go ahead and jump into our introduction. Then, as always, Pucon, Uh briefly tell us what your persona is and how you joined the fandom. Okay, sure, so uh my persona is apparently it's a Thai bang giao dog
1: with a very bright cotton candy color <laughs> schemes, I would say yeah like that that would be like the description that everyone would agree on mm-hmm. for me yeah, and how I mean like how do I join a fandom right mm-hmm, right it would it would be more of like starting from like a lurking perspective, I guess it's i I think for me it's not starting because of those like i mean i i heard every people like most of our people would mm-hmm. like have like their first crush on anthropomorphic character let's say it's like a uh, lion king or something like that but for me it's growing from like one of a very old uh japanese anime that called monster farm i think like maybe some some of our, some of the listeners would be like heard of it before but it's like mm-hmm. a really really old japanese anime that's featuring like a. Uh, Talking animal. I'm not sure like what what animal is that, but it's kind of like awakens something deep inside of me. So so yeah, that that would be like how how I joined the fandom mentally, but in physically to keep it short, it's more like uh in Thailand like way back back then there's there's a webboard like in in the year like twelve like twenty twelve, uh back then it's like a uh webboard era that everything has like a webboard for it, and in Thailand we do have a webboard called. Uh, kemo dungeon the kemo word is always referring to the kemono which is like the word that there was like japanese fandom called the uh, furry and we do have the web word called uh, kemo dungeon which is like thai small furry community group and that pretty much like how do i start enjoying the fandom in thailand
0: yeah, I, I myself am not too familiar with Monster Farm, but uh I'll definitely have to check that out later. Um sure. I, I think I think that uh yeah, that sounds kinda interesting.
2: I actually was introduced to Monster Farm by a Brazilian furry f- friend mm. and oh. it is not that old. It That's came out in like year two
0: thousand, nineteen
2: ninety nine. <laughs> oh. Man, just, just hearing things being called old when they came out when I was growing up is just anyway. Time flies time flies.
0: So let's go ahead and jump into section two now. This is what we call the guest spotlight. And we brought you on to talk a little bit more about Tietails. Um mm-hmm. So firstly, what was your role at Titales? Like what did you do exactly? Uh, I
1: would divided my role into two years. So I started helping mm-hmm. Titale teams in 2018. In 2018, I was helping on only on the website page because uh, before that they have like the people that handle the website but then they kind of like the con was growing obviously and uh they want to find like more people to handle those like information or something like that so i was called in to build a website for them doing like information management and everything and for 2019 i was helping on a bigger perspective uh mm. to to put it simple, it's like more like a management side on how like the event was like going, the planning and everything. I mean like it's more like working alongside with Kyoshi on, on, on the aspect mm. of like events plannings and management, something like that. So yeah, I I I guess that's pretty much explained like the role in title. So yeah, twenty eighteen is website, it's like I I making a website. Twenty nineteen is more like I working oh. alongside with Kyoshi on uh management and event planning.
2: Yeah. So then can you give us some details on how Titales is run? For example, is it like a central committee deciding on an important decisions or is it more like a con chair that makes all the decisions? Mm, for
1: Titale I would say it's like a mix of both. Because like uh the, the thing is that Titale, despite that we have like quite a number of attendees, the the staff team itself is pretty small and for the most part like uh most i i wouldn't i wouldn't divide it we just have like one staff team that they're working on it and eventually we would be more like asking for volunteer to help us on the main day but when it comes to decision making as as you ask i would say most of the time it's more like a committee that we just like uh running an idea through everyone just like hey like if you if you want to do this like how do you guide things and something like that so like we pretty much brainstorming on it but at the same time because not everyone was coming in as like a volunteer and everyone have Mm -hmm. like have their own like personal business that need to handle so some decision that would be like smaller decision that didn't affecting the entire con maybe let's say Mm -hmm. it's like some design like hey like do you like poster a or poster b something Mm -hmm. like that that would be running to a smaller group of people but it's not like that it's not that smaller group of people mean like those are like the committee or anything it's just more like the people that have more time to actively working on the con but at the same time we still have like the larger part of the staff that supporting the operation and everything
0: so just to kind of like maybe to give us a little bit of insights to the numbers then maybe like in a ratio i was just kind of curious about like how many staff members do you have versus like how many volunteers do you have? Let's just say for like Titale twenty nineteen, the latest the latest Titales. The latest Titale If you have um, the information.
1: Oh <laughs> the number of staff that we are working on is around like sixteen. Mm-hmm. Like six sixteen to seventeen staff. But it's just like the core staff. and the thing is we didn't get to recruit more volunteer. Mm-hmm. at a time so it's more like we have like 16 staff handling the entire con and we have like a few volunteer like a very very few volunteer so let's say it's oh. more like 16 17 people
0: interesting yeah so at least for that year tightails was like um almost like 50 50 i guess like 50 core staff 50 volunteers or somewhere close to that ratio uh, i
1: i would say it's more like 80 percent staff and 20 percent volunteer
0: Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I had another question then uh, continuing on with Titales, of course. That uh, I just I first want to say that I went to Titales in 2018 and 2019. Uh, shout out to Taitails, of course. Um, you guys, I think you guys have a great con. Uh, and one thing I noticed between those two years was the growth, actually. And I noticed mm-hmm. that you guys changed hotels from 2018 to 2019. Matter of fact, I think you, I think, I think in 2017 it was different as well. I'm just going to kind of read off some numbers from Wikifer and feel free to correct me on this if this information is incorrect. Um, The attendee count for Tigtails in 2016 was 125, and then it was 154 in 2017, and then 234 in 2018, and finally 385 in 2019. And 2019 is the last uh, con, of course. It was the last iteration uh, before COVID. And so my kind of question here then, um, kind of like a bigger macro question is, what do you think accounts for that growth? If
1: you ask me then, it's just more like I will answer based from my personal opinion. Therefore, it's not, it wouldn't be like 100% true. But Mm -hmm. I feel like most part is because uh, Thai people are kind of like more outgoing at a time. Then mm. we kind of like, how to say, we kind of like starting to establish like the international, like the foreign connection with the others. So let's say like do- during those times, there's like uh, Kiyoshi and others that's kind of like outgoing to like the foreign icons, and we have a really good relationship with uh those like furries from Japan and oh, Taiwan yeah. as well. Yeah. So mm. it's like, it's yeah. kind of like the time that our local furs was also like in the face of like the, the going out to like meeting people and stuff and they kind of like like hey like we, we do have like our local con like you guys want to like come visit you can like visit thailand and also like dropping by for thai tails and everything if i can cut in like how hard yeah. would
0: you say you guys like how hard did you guys market the events to kind of like get the word out that hey we have a, we finally have a fur con in thailand i will say it pretty not
1: that big because mm-hmm. because like the the main focus of like thai tail it would be kind of like making the local first the local attendees to like feeling a bit better about like attending this convention because mm-hmm. like the concept of to, to go a bit off topic is more like the the concept of like furry convention to thai people is still a bit new i would say even though a title exists for like many many years but those time before is like title is more like a gathering event i would say mm. and then like for the like for the few last year like two two to three last time that we did we making it we kind of like upscaling it to the convention scale and when they come to the convention scale it's still a bit a strange idea of like people gathering in such a large event mm. to meet up over some kind of like interesting over an anthropomorphic character Something like that. So yeah. we didn't do much PR to, like, the foreigner that, like, hey, like, we have, like, Thailand con come over. But we do a lot of PR to, like, the local for that, like, hey, we have, like, the place for you guys. That, like, you can come out and right. shoot. Something like that. But the foreigner is more, like, mm-hmm. they coming from, like, word to word, I would say. People keep telling each other, like, hey, like, there's a Thai con come over or something like that.
2: Okay. Yeah. So basically, it was networking with other countries' furries, getting them interested while also getting the locals excited for your event, right? Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. What do you think makes Thai Tales stand out? Is there something that Thai Tales has or does that other conventions don't? Or is it simply the fact that it's more about having a con in Thailand, something that most people would view as an exotic country?
1: That's an interesting question. For me, I would say that title the charm of tail that we still have, and mm. also like any other like small size con, in in our like neighboring country, have is that the the reason mainly is because it's small. And for me, oh, yeah. I would say that's like I wouldn't say like more wholesome, but it's more like more connected, kind of feeling that you feel like everyone that walking in the in the space around you is like you can relate it or you can like connecting to them. But at the same time, when the con is like growing larger and larger, it's more about like individual group of people coming to the common space rather than everyone is the same level of attendees. The reason why people still keep coming to Taipei because it's, a, I would say, yeah, it's like a small con because it's a small con and it's not exist as much as like in like the European or in like the American region, I would say mm-hmm. that, I mean, like they still have like a small con, but uh those kind of like small and close-connected con that exists in the country, in, like, an exotic country, that like you would say, is something that interesting idea to, like, the foreign perspective, I would say. It's like they could come in and connect it with the local furs more closer because we, it's, like, it's a small size con. Yeah. We have a lot of locals and you can come in and, like, kind of, like, connecting, shielding with furries, the people that have same interests as you, but in the other part of the world. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Something like that.
0: Yeah. I definitely think that but, there are, like, you know, foreigners who would be interested in that. And I think me and Burger are, are probably examples of that where it would be really cool to go to a con outside the U.S. to kind of get to know Asian furries a lot more. And I think Tytales, again, I've been there two times. And I really think it really offers that.
2: Yeah. That is definitely the feeling that I got when I went to, like, Furmit and Furpoint. Mm-hmm more older than that i think thailand still like the place
1: that many people kind of like want to like visit i guess so it's kind of like combining on the fact that like hey there's a furry community in thailand and you can also visit thailand after you visit the furry convention and it's oh, kind yeah. of like double yeah it's like double the bonus like mm-hmm. yeah it's like oh you can travel in thailand but also there's a furry there as a furry that living in like the states i think like that that combination of were kind of like excited a bit (laughs) like oh (laughs) oh you can visit thailand but also there's a furry
0: (laughs) yeah and and i think you guys do such a good job at like being great hosts you know this is the to kind of to kind of maybe like overuse the phrase this is the land of like what a million smiles and so I, i think like there's so much like hospitality coming from thai furries And, um, matter of fact, I almost feel like we interviewed more Thai furries on this show than any other furries. Um, cause we had Polar, we had Kyochi, we had Alder. now we have you. We've quote unquote, we've been to Thailand, like, I don't know, two or three times by now. And, um, I don't know, like maybe there's a reason for that. You guys have been so friendly and so uh, hospitable. And I know when, again, when I went to Thai Tales, it it was just exactly as you said, where there's like, you can have Thai furries who offer rides who might even pick you up at the airport um, who might show you around Bangkok uh, after the con or even before the con. And so, you know, like, I really wish COVID wasn't happening right now. Otherwise, like I I would, I would definitely put uh, Thai tails again on, on on my list. Definitely. I, I also wish that I I can like go back
1: to Thailand as well. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
0: Um, I want to move on and kind of wrap up this section though. And sure. ask um, the last question for section two. Uh, this is going to be more of a personal question. What would you say was your most favorable or memorable experience at TIE Tales? Then, mm.
1: for me personally, I would say that it's a bit of a bias though. But it it for me it would that's be that's Yeah, room party. I would I would say mm. kind of like I mean it's I would say like if you counting like only. On the con floor experience, I would say uh, after party. But if you say, if you're including everything, I would say room party. The Mm. reason why is that is because, like, the room party is like the place that you kind of like sit down and revise and everything. Kind of like looking back at what you have done for like the past Mm. two days and everything. And it's for, I mean, like, to be specific, it's gonna be like after con it's like a time party. to reflect
0: or look back or yeah
1: yeah 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 it's 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 kind of like mm. you live the best moment i would say like the entire con is like yeah mm. it's like there's sometimes it's good sometimes it's bad sometimes it's fun sometimes it's hardship and everything it have like mm. good up and down and everything but when you sit in the after con room party it's where you reflect yeah the it's like reflecting itself reflecting the experience and everything and get to talk with the other people that my not coming from like the same country as you or maybe like they come from me coming from like the other half of the world and to get to share those like perspective and everything and would be able to talking deeper into to into like yeah. those thoughts and conversation is like the best moment for me
0: absolutely that like yeah yeah i think we're on the same page there um i i definitely love uh room parties and um uh, i don't think i remember talking to you at the 2019 room party but but I, but i i basically agree with almost everything you said yes to add a bit more
1: on that is i would say that furry convention on everything is that
0: people people usually
1: have like the outsider perspective would be like people coming to do furry stuff in the furry convention but the magical part about like the furry fandom is that the furry is just like the overhead for for a group of people we just come in with in the name of furries but when we come yeah. to furry, when we come into the furry convention, the thing we talk is just, we, we talk like a normal people would do. We talk like technology, we talk science, we talk pretty much everything. And I think that's like the interesting and the most magical part of a furry fandom. That that kind of kind of like sum up the whole furry convention mm-hmm. definition mm-hmm. that, hey, like if you're going to con furry convention, it's not just about fursuiting. It's not just about the furry people doing furry things, but it's just more like the chance that, you would get to meet a lot of people, a lot of cool people that would someday changing your life that like you'd never been in on that side before. And I think that's, yeah, that would be like sum up my words on this question.
0: Awesome. Yeah. yeah. I, thank you so much for telling us more about TIE Tales. Um, again, uh, hopefully that hopefully the COVID situation will improve in, in the years to come. Maybe we'll see international travel come back in full um, I think now let's go ahead and move on to our section three, where we compare and contrast fandoms in this particular section. I want to kind of talk more about how the Thai furry fandom, uh, is viewed by the public in Thailand. So let me just ask that. How does the general public view furries? Do they think it's related to cosplay, uh, anime or mascotting, or is it something else entirely?
2: Mm,
1: That's just another interesting question. Uh, I just, happen- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just happen yeah. I just happened to talk about this in like in my like in my Thai podcast. But the thing that I could recall from from talking about that mm. is that Thai people still like uh embracing furries or like the definition of furry or anthropomorphic character as like the art style, I would say. They, they're viewing it in more of like a, a genre of art, a genre of drawing that like people drawing in furry style, you drawing a furry character. But mm-hmm. it's with less of a lifestyle comparing to the other side of the world. There's a lot of people that embracing furry as a lifestyle. Me, myself, I could say that like he or she, others was doing the same things. But at the same time, mm-hmm. a lot of newcomers that joining the furry fandom, they treat furry as more like an art thing. Like, hey, you're drawing furries, nice. You're drawing furry comics, cool. You make furry arts, that's great. But they didn't talk about like embracing the concept of like, Furries persona or talking more deeper into something like outer ego or concept like that. I think I think that's like the difference, the main difference of like uh the Thai. I I I would say that I couldn't compare it to Taiwan or or like the other like neighboring country because each country, even though we are so close, from what I learned is that we have a very different, like a very big different point of view on the furry fandom itself. So I could just like saying. I, it's just more like it's just for me to note to the to the viewers or listener that like even though I am talking from like the perspective of how high people will be wing furry fandom, I wouldn't recommend using this as a base to like sure. looking yeah, to referencing for like the neighboring country because it it a bit silly, yeah. That like we're so close but we're looking on this thing very, very differently. To add a bit more answer to complete the question of like does it relate to cosplay, anime or mask casting? I would say it's pretty, pretty differentiated. I mean, like, fursuiting could count as mascotting or as cosplaying at some time. But people that invested deeply into to the point that they're making a fursuit is usually they're like, how to say, they're more like emotionally invested in the character that they make a fursuit out of it. Therefore, they didn't actually treat fursuiting as same as cosplaying or mascotting something like that also like the concept of mascoting is i wouldn't say new but more like not something that generalizes in the in, in in the system like some school have mascots some university have a mascot but it's not like every school sport team has a mascot that something that's the same as like in the u.s or something like that so the concept of mascoting is is not that big cosplaying could be maybe so something like that anime i'm not so sure some people get dragged in because of furries like somebody may dragging them into a furry fandom Mm
2: -hmm. yeah
1: but yeah that that i
2: think that's that's pretty much yeah so then sticking with the topic of fursuiting uh how does fursuiting in public work how is it viewed is it easy to do do you need a permit or permission and how do onlookers generally feel about fursuiters
1: in in most case if you're doing fursuiting if you're doing it like a public space, it treated as like a private photography shoot. Hmm. Therefore, you need to request a permit for it. Kind of like if you're going to the park, some park is like... No matter is it's... I mean, it's not counting as like... Because you do thing, therefore you need a permission. But it's more like... Because you're doing a photo shoot, you need a permission for it. But I cannot really recalling fursuiting in public without taking a photo so i would say that's like uh yes you do need a permit to fursuiting but it's more like you're fursuiting for photographing or like taking a video or something like that in most places you need to do that like you need to ask for like the security and everything but mainly it's more like a security reason just kind of like because you're doing a photo shoot therefore you're gonna be like blocking the pathway for people walking yada 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 so like kind of like they just, you just need to tell them, like, hey, we're going to take a photo here. Like, this is, like, we're doing some this and that to so just let them know what's going on. And when you're fursuiting in public, I will say that I couldn't completely answer this on my behalf because I never actually get to fursuiting in public in Thailand before. My first suit came to me in Taiwan. <laughs> so, like, I couldn't, like, uh, explain, like, in full detail. <laughs> but from what I heard and from sure. what I from like from people talking about it is pretty positive like it's pretty much just people just view it as like cosplaying like oh like hey that's like that's a cute character uh some of them might ask like what anime or what cartoon are you from but no it's <laughs> it's not it's a original character <laughs> persona something like that but yeah i think thai people perceive well with the with the concept of like the like the mascots and everything there's sometimes gonna be like people with bad manner that kind of like treat fursuiting poorly i would say but that's like a pretty rare case it's not like outright like just like going and like hating you or something like that but i would say that in a sense because of like the internet culture and everything that kind of like tainted the view of how general public like the those like like netizens general public views toward the topic of furries we might got like sometime people just kind of like viewing furry as something that's kind of like weird therefore when it comes to fursuiting it's kind of like applying the same idea that oh it's fursuiting fursuiting is furry then fursuiting equal weird something like that it, it happens sometimes but it's not like always and people are pretty welcoming of it now i guess like it's, it's kind of like changing like a bit over time a bit a bit by bit over the time.
2: Yeah. Uh, that's always good that public outlook can kind of fluctuate but in the positive direction. Uh, it seems to be doing that in the US over the past couple of years. You know, hmm. once news stations have stopped doing their whole shock factor news of like furries are pedophiles, you know, something like that or whatever disparaging things they like to say. But anyway... On a somewhat different topic, can you briefly tell us about how Thailand views the LGBTQ community, and maybe how that would apply to the Thai furry fandom? Is there kind of a link between those 2 subcommunities? Because over in the West, especially in the United States, there's a very big crossover between LGBTQ and furry. So is that similar in Thailand? Mm. I would
1: say that, like so far, not so much. As I mean, like recalling to like uh the the question that asking about like the public view of furries, people mm. mostly still view furry as like the art, kind of like the, the category of art. Therefore, there's a lot of people that they are in already in an LGBTQ community and they are also like being a part of a furry fandom. But uh, to say that it's like there's no like a big link that like hey, we are furries, so we're supporting LGBTQ. The, the, the reason why is because, like, I would say, like, in Thailand itself, the diversity of, like, uh, gender spectrum exists in the, furry, in the Thai fairy fandom is pretty diverse. We have, like, many, many group of people in, in the fairy fandom. And to say that, like, in Thailand itself, when it comes to LGBTQIA topic, uh, the thing is that people kind of, like, partially accepted it. It's more like we don't that right hate people that coming from like, the LGBTQ community but it's more like we accepting them as long as they don't associate it with us but by us it didn't mean me it it mean like the people that like the general public the year past there's like we have like a lot of like movement that kind of like hey lgbtq is is normal lgbtq is is fine but since the LGBTQ kind of like, I wouldn't say like against the rules of the, of the religion on the side fact it, is like Thailand is like mainly Buddhism and somewhere in Buddhism, they're kind of like, Hey, like, uh, those LGBTQ people is not allowing them to like participating in some of like religious activity or they are related to like their past life, having something, something like that. So it's kind of like, I would say like those old people. Like the people that kind of like a bit old like relative old, like uh above like 50 they have like that point of idea that like oh those lgbtq people are kind of like doing something bad in their past life therefore they're more like this something like that and Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and but but then but then again it's not like we have like straight up like oh we it, it didn't. It's, how to say it, it's not like we are like so outgoing as like the western scene that we have like a pride parade and everything and this right. just kind of like in, enjoying us being low-key lgbtq so there was like oh i mean it's cool if you ask like most parents or like most people in thailand like the old people they would be like hey yeah i mean we're cool with lgbtq as long as those LGB, lgbtq people is not our children <laughs> something like that like yeah, we cool with LGBTQ people on the street. We cool with them on the television. But if they're my son, that my son is gonna mm-hmm. be get getting banned, something like that, which is pretty ironic, I would say. But that somehow is way way better from like from what we used to have, from
0: what we used yeah. to be. I want to cut in real here, real quick, and say that you know you're kind of getting into a question that I was already going to ask. So I kind of want to roll with that since we're already like getting into this topic. So what I wanted sure. to say was that. Well, again, you're hitting the you're hitting the nail on the head as to where I was trying to get at where it's like, okay, like, what is the intersection between this sort of like traditional conservative Thai culture and the furry fandom? Mm. Because in my opinion, uh, furry is something that originates in the West and it kind of comes from a more like expressionist, inclusive, open kind of mindset or philosophy. And so, again, you're kind of already hitting um, a lot of the notes to my question but to kind of uh, maybe rephrase my question, then. So, do you see mm-hmm. that the the Thai public being, I would say, like more and more open to the LG- LGBT community? the The thing is like this:
1: like uh, to to mm-hmm. to go back a bit in your question that that you're you're you taking that like the furry fandom is something that coming from the West. Apparently, in my in my feeling, is like I mean, it's originated in the West, but when it comes to Japan it becoming the the thing like more like a eastern size like kimono thing mm-hmm. and thai people kind of like adopting the idea of japanese furry version mm-hmm, mm-hmm. into the fandom so i would say that like the expressionist kind of behavior that 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 you kind of like mentioned about is actually not that like exists in the community so much therefore there's like the community is still, like, more like a sanctuary for people to just, like, come in and shoo. But people are not, like, really, like, that expressive of, like, hey, I am a furry. Something like that. We didn't, like, adopt the idea of being open and, like, expressionist mindset <laughs> from the West, sadly. So it's just more like, we're just being furry. We just we just shoo here.
0: Uh, So I mean expressionist here, not as in, like, telling people, but more like, being able to like be yourself really that's what it means so so to kind of like clarify it's like oh, oh what yeah, i mean yeah. by expression is like you can be yourself at the sanctuary that's kind of that's kind of what i meant
1: mm, i still say not so much speaking from like the asian asian born perspective is that we are not like raised to be expression this kind of like because like you're asian and you kind of like need to like follow your dad footstep or like doing something that the old people already did you're not so much allowed to be yourself even though in a sanctuary there's a lot of people that kind of like get used to like being more themselves kind of like expressing more of like hey probably being a furry even in a sanctuary space. I mean, like, just the people like that. I sure. mean, one, one prime example is, like, maybe, like, Kiyoshi or others that, like, are already featuring in the episodes. And I would say, like, I coming from the side that kind of, like, slowly being expressionist within, like, the sanctuary that creating, uh, explaining more for the new people that just joining the fandom for, like, a recent years. I would say they're not so much, like, in terms of like expression, like proud to being themselves, even though they are doing it in a safe space that they are allowed to do mm, so. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah.
0: I think you're understanding my, my words. Yeah. I think you kind of misunderstood a little bit earlier, but, yeah, but yeah. I, th- I think I got you now. Okay. That's totally fine. Okay. And then um, uh, is there anything more you want to add, like related to that question or mm,
1: to, to kind of like sum up is that. To to say to say it's like this, like in in peop- in Thai people viewing to the Thai fairy fandom in general is more like we are more open to LGBTQ community. Therefore, a lot of LGBTQ people are feeling safer to like uh joining the fandom because they feel like being LGBTQ themselves like exists in like the LGBTQ uh social space. Is not as accepted as you coming into like the furry side, which is like a bit weird though. Like because like I mean like talk to scale, LGBTQIA is a lot bigger. There's like a lot more people that being LGBTQ but not a furry. But uh, funny enough, if you coming joining in like uh in like a furry fandom, you coming into like a furry event, you can be more expression. You can be more of yourself as the LGBTQ and also a furry. So I guess I think that like the, the plus size that like it's not like directly related that we say that hey we are furry and we are proud of being LGBTQIA. I mean like we never say that out loud. We we know we did, but we, but we like never actually said it out loud comparing to like the West side. But a lot of people, like a general public view knows that high furry fandom is very welcoming of like people of genders and i think like that's like the good thing that we kind of like going through it's not Mm happening i i don't see it happening like anytime soon that we're gonna like uh directly combining it together because like some people that join the free fandom is still have like a bit i wouldn't say like hate it but it's more like they're not uh to to go a bit more it's more like people are still confusing with the term of like being a lie and being one people still confusing about that term therefore there was like hey if furry is directly connected to lgbtq then a lot of people gonna see that if i'm a furry therefore i'm gay and it's just kind of like more like misconception that a lot of people not clearly understand that so me as the people that working in titles working in like a furry event i don't thing that is something that's gonna happen anytime soon because that's that's we I mean, didn't more how to say we didn't care more so about like the general public idea but more like how to make the people inside the fandom understand that hey even though we are associated with the, with the lgbtqia it doesn't mean that if you're furry also mean you are a gay something like that yeah I, I think like that that's all i want to add i'm not sure if it's
2: like confusing <laughs> So the way you describe that situation is a little bit of uh, a reminder of how the the bronies, that fandom, when they first started, basically when they entered the public eye, there was this mentality of, well, if you're a brony and you like girly stuff, then you might be gay or you must be mm-hmm. gay. And there is a bit of a pushback mm-hmm. from that just because, the, well, there is like a conflicting opinion on that basically either i'm not gay i i'm just a brony or i'm a brony and i just happen to be gay there's no connection there but i think the the conflict there was more of a gay is bad kind of a thing but eventually i think some people grew up and was like you know gay is okay but i'm still not gay just because i'm a brony (laughs) sure yeah (laughs) yeah Well, our
0: last question here is more of a personal question, uh, but of course, uh, so I'd like to ask you as well. Um, where do you see yourself after graduating with your master's? So I know you're currently doing your master's, just like I am here in Taiwan. Mm-hmm. Do you see yourself residing in Taiwan for a few years, or do you plan on going back to Thailand? That's the
1: that's like the question that I like. I even. Even even myself still still asking like <laughs> uh what am I gonna do after after I graduated from master. But uh to ask that I would say that like my, my plan for now is gonna be like trying to stay in Taiwan as long as I could, I would say. into the part that like if I if I'm able to like receiving the APRC, the permanent resident for for Taiwan version, I think that that would be like my goal for now. Trying to like stay in Taiwan trying to meet a requirement to obtaining the permanent resident and because like so far i've been enjoying my time here to, to add on that it's like it's nice it's a nice place people is nice places is nice society is nice and yeah to going back to thailand though is oh I'll, I'll just say that it's not so good for now to like not relate it to like the off too much off topic but i'll just say that like it's not a good choice for now. And I feel like a lot of Thai people do think the same as me. That like, it's not in a very good place. So yeah. If related, it would be more like, yeah. I would, for now, my goal is to trying to stay in Taiwan as long as possible. Possibly obtaining the permanent resident. Therefore, the future is uncertain. It could be like anything. And it depends on like, which door is opening for me. So, hey, who's, who's no? Maybe like, I will be accessing other country mm-hmm. Or or do so.
2: Yeah, something like that. Well, if you do decide to stay in Taiwan and end up staying here with uh, me and Michael, then we would gladly love to have you stay with us and hang out with us here in Taiwan, as well as the rest of the Taiwanese furry fandom, I'm sure. Um, But once again, thank you so much for joining us. You have brought a lot to the table. You've talked about uh, how a small con networks with other countries' furries while getting others' Excited for its own exotic small con vibes and such You've talked about the embracing of furry as a lifestyle more than just a art style You've talked about the differences in the LGBTQA and the furries and the public outlook on that general Topic and I think that's about it. Yeah, so before you go, can you give us your social media handles? How do you want people to find you on the internet? Ah uh,
1: sure. So uh if you guys like curious about me and want to like see me more, uh I, I do appearing on Twitter's uh is twitter.com/is mm-hmm. pukapukan but to, to spell <laughs> it out it's like p u k a and p u k a and n and another n which is yeah, it's a bit complicated. I'm I'm pretty sure that like Michael would put it put just put the link in the description, right? <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: What, what yeah, about yeah. your VR so, streaming schedule? Uh, like yeah. where where will where oh, are you, sure. you there?
1: Oh, also also I'm um, I'm just starting to uh, live streaming on Twitch. Mm-hmm. Uh, my Twitch is at, also like going under the same handle is Twitch TV slash and you can also like find my streaming schedule on on the Twitch channel itself. On the Facebook page, it's a uh, Facebook.com/slash pukan p u k a n c hash mm-hmm. pukan channel. You can also find my streaming schedule and everything over there. And yeah, I I would welcome like everyone to like talking about about this topic. And I would encourage also to like uh, if you're hearing this episode and you have thing like curious about something that I talk about it, you are more than
2: welcome to like hit me up on any social link and like talk talk with me more about it. Okay. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Pukan. This has been the Fox and Burger podcast with me, Burger, and Fox. And we will see you in the next episode. Bye-bye.